0: This is an Equity Bates Media Podcast.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the
2: price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
5: You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equity Mates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey.
0: You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own now time. You can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time.
2: Welcome to the Get Started Investing Summer Series brought to you by Superhero. Over six episodes, we're going to be hearing from members of both the Equity Mates and Superhero community and covering some of the biggest questions for anyone starting their investing journey. As always, I am joined by my Equity Buddy, Ren. How are you going?
6: I'm very good, Bryce. Great to be with you for another episode of this summer series. There's a lot of misleading information out there in the market. There's a lot of beliefs that are unfounded. There's a lot of stories that don't have merit. There's a rumor going around that you have actually never made an investment in your life. Well, that's massively untrue. And so today we're uh, talking all things uh, myths, investing myths.
2: That's it. Myths and barriers. So over the last four episodes, we've covered investing goals or styles. We've asked what is the biggest investing mistake you've made, one thing you wish you knew when you started investing. And today we're covering the biggest barriers or myths that you uh, faced when you started investing. And we do have all of our guests returning to answer this question. So it's a massive episode. We can't wait to get stuck in. But before we do, uh, we must shout out uh, a big thank you to Superhero who are proudly supporting our summer series. Superhero allows you to buy Aussie and US shares and ETFs with no monthly account fees. And you can now earn Qantas points with Superhero. So visit superhero.com.au slash Qantas to learn more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions, and fees and charges apply. But massive, Ren. We've uh, been fortunate. We've got Courtney, Queenie, Molly, James, Alicia, Lee, Simon, Justin, Dylan. Uh, they're all returning. It's going to be great. Plus a bunch of others. You didn't Rachel, finish the list. Josh. There's so <laughs> many. There's so many returning.
6: Basically, if you've listened to the last four episodes, it's everyone that we've spoken to. Yeah, we're going yeah. out
2: with a, a bonanza. What was one of the biggest myths that you faced, Randall? Look, there's,
6: there's some pretty common ones that uh, we speak to some of these guests about. So, we don't need to talk about too much. Do I have enough money to start investing? Uh, investing isn't for me. You, I'm not an expert. Like all, all, all of that stuff, I think, is pretty important. But we don't need to rehash it. So, in terms of myths that we don't really talk about, and this one's going to be controversial. So, I'm, I'm interested to throw it out there and see what you have to say. Mm. Biggest myth that I have since realized is not true is that the daily finance news has anything to do with investing. Wow, yes. (laughs) What I saw on uh, about 7.15 on the ABC every night was in any way Uh, related to investing. You don't think it's related at all? Growing up, that was my only exposure to investing. Quantas was up two percent. The S and P 500 was down four percent. Gold. Here's a chart for gold over the last you know month. That's what I thought investing was. I thought it was a bunch of tickers and numbers moving day to day. Thought it was completely uncorrelated to the real world. Um, you know, Coles could be up or down, and you know they're going to sell pretty much the same amount of groceries that they sold yesterday. But their share price can do wild things. And I just thought it was this uncorrelated world that sat over there and the real world was separate to it and it was just numbers on a screen and you had to understand that world to make money in it. But what I've learned is that the numbers on the screen, the day-to-day noise, that that the way that we report financial news, it's just all unnecessarily confusing and all you need to do is understand the real world and what's going on with real companies led by real people to make money in the stock market and you can cut away a lot of that noise uh, that, that seems to exist.
2: Bye-bye, Alan Kohler.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's nothing about Alan in particular. Like it's, a, it's systemic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: That's a good one. That's a good one.
6: So, that's a myth. Uh, we're also talking barriers here. So, what, do? is there any barriers that you've faced that you've overcome in your investing journey?
2: One would be around the feeling of always needing to be right when uh, you make an investment.
6: You have a need to always be right, full stop. <laughs> no way.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I felt as uh, at the start of my investing journey, you know, you would you would- Make less investments because uh, you you would be fearful that it wasn't always going to be the right investment, and there was plenty of choices out there and plenty of things to choose from, and and you felt like it had to be the best investment possible. And whilst that is true, uh, I've since learned, and I I guess myth busted that even the best fund managers don't get every single investment right. And so, getting into the mind and mind frame of knowing that when you go in to make an investment, uh, the likelihood of it not being right is probably more so than not, but you only need, as we've spoken about many times on the show, you only need three out of 10 investments to go gangbusters. and um,
6: Three and, out of 10, you've done the maths on that. <laughs> three
2: out of 10, yeah, and you're doing well. Uh, so yeah, uh, a barrier of feeling like you need to uh, be right all the time um, is is one worth overcoming sooner rather than later.
6: Yeah, I think tied to that, you're also always searching for the very best idea. And like if you're a professional fund manager, if you're Warren Buffett, if you're Hamish Douglas, that is your job to find the very best idea. But if you're an everyday punter like you and I, there's nothing wrong with the 10th best idea or the 20th best idea being a starting point and as you look for better options. Yeah. There's plenty of ways to make money in the stock market and there's plenty of stocks that will make you money in the market. Yeah. You shouldn't lose a, like a wink of sleep about – whether the ASX 200 index uh, ETF or the S&P 500 index ETF will do better over the next year or two because they will likely over the long term both make you money. Yeah. Uh, This is a saying that I often say and that you guys get sick of me saying, but a barrier that I think was important for me to overcome was not letting perfection be the enemy of the good because good can be great if you let it compound over a long period of time. Yeah. Good is good enough.
2: Good is good enough,
6: yes. (laughs) All
2: right, well, uh, without further ado, let's jump in and hear from our amazing uh, contributors from the Get Started Investing community about uh, their barriers and myths. So what is uh, the biggest barrier that you faced when you started investing or you're currently facing now or what is one of the biggest myths that you found about investing?
1: Yeah, I think in terms of a barrier it was just how naive I was. I almost feel in a way I didn't really have a barrier because mum and dad made it so accessible to me and they were naive as well and they probably didn't ask the right questions that they needed to. So I didn't have anything stopping me because I didn't realise what I was getting myself into and I didn't realise how complex the investing landscape is. That was probably my barrier or lack of barrier. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what about now? Does that mean you face more and more barriers?
1: Yeah, I think I like it's hard now because, and I hear a lot of people speak to to it about it on podcasts, but they get um, analysis paralysis because I'm reading so much now and I'm listening to so many different opinions that, you know, now it's like, oh, it's so hard to make a decision Mm. because you just want to make sure you're making the right decision, Mm. especially because of what's happened um, with the stockbroker that I did go with. So
2: Choice paralysis, I get that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's so hard. Yeah,
2: and I can imagine when people are starting their investing journey and you're looking at all the ETFs out there available and, I mean, there's what? Sixty thousand stocks in the world, or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's
6: like two (laughs) hundred and forty ETFs in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: I can imagine how difficult it is to just make that one single choice. But I feel once you make the choice, it all kind of opens up from there.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I did get there. My um, boyfriend and I recently um, just like opened an account together, um, and we invested into the Nasdaq 100. So that was exciting. Nice, (laughs)
7: nice,
6: nice. (laughs) Nice one. So in terms of investing myths, you know, you started uh, Fast and Loose, uh, as you described it. Uh, Were there any things you believed about the stock market then that you've since uh, changed your mind on?
1: I think I had this perception when I was younger that my money would just grow. And although I did just leave my money there to, I was very set and forget. Like I just would buy a stock based off the good old Motley Fool, <laughs> uh, and then I just leave it there and I, I would, you know, um, I didn't really feel this need to touch it or anything, but looking back on my portfolio and how my shares have um, progressed throughout the last nine to ten years, that uh, however long they've been in there, you know, some of them haven't gone so well.
2: What is the biggest barrier that you found when you started investing or perhaps one of the biggest barriers you're currently facing?
8: I think one of the biggest barriers is just the lack of information out there. I think now it's like a lot better than when I started around six years ago. I just did not know that you could start investing with small amounts of money. So I thought that I needed to save up $5,000 and then that's how I could start. But if I knew that you, know, you could start investing with $5, I would have started way earlier. And I know I already started quite early, but it's just like, it's crazy that people still think that you need heaps and heaps of money to start investing and you need to be really wealthy to already start. So I think now it's great. You know, platforms like, like ours, you know, we're telling people mm-hmm. that you actually don't need a lot of money to start investing. I think that was one of the biggest barriers for me. What about you guys? I'm curious.
2: Um, biggest barrier, uh, geez, I didn't really have one. Like uh (laughs) (laughs) Bryce isn't
6: used to being asked a question, (laughs) uh, biggest barrier. I think, I mean, I, I think for me coming from a family that didn't talk in investing in stocks was there's like such a knowledge gap, but it's also like knowing how much you need to know similar to you like looking back and realizing you actually don't need to know that much you can just buy an index that has a little bit of everything and the market gets more productive and efficient every year and it generally goes up over the long term i i just didn't realize that that was a thing i thought you had to know like everything about a company and you know really understand how the market works bought an individual company lost everything i've told that story a number of times but looking back, if I could tell myself you don't need to know everything, you don't even need to know close to everything, you can basically know nothing and just buy a little bit of everything and start there and start to understand it that way, I think for me I would have started a lot earlier. Yeah.
8: Yeah, it's so true. It's I think it's just that uncomfortableness talking about money. Like you don't want to mm. look like you're bragging or you're showing off, but it's like... There's a way that you can talk to, you know, your friends and your family about it without coming across like that, you know, and I think the more that we can talk to our friends and our family about it, the better, because really then like everybody can improve their knowledge. Like we can all share ideas and learning. So, yeah. yeah. And,
6: And I think you deserve, you and Tash deserve a lot of credit for that because like Bryce and I never talk about like how much money we have, but you guys are very open and like, you know, you're really breaking down the taboo around Talking about money, and so I give you a lot of credit for that. I
2: don't have any money to talk about, yeah. I
6: haven't quite <laughs> built up the courage to go on TikTok and do something similar, but maybe one day. Yeah. I think yeah. it's,
8: it's good because it's like I feel like we can we only hear about the people that have like crazy, like millions of dollars, like he's a billionaire, and yeah, you're just yeah, like, yeah. wow, yeah. <laughs> never gonna be like that rich. Um, but when you hear about somebody that's like 25 like has $210,000 invested and, you know, makes $10,000 a month, you're Mm. like, oh, yeah, that's like, that's okay. That's not crazy, but it's pretty good, I guess, you know, and people are like, oh you know, that that is realistic, right? So yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I think people can kind of relate to that. And it's just nice to be open about Mm. this stuff.
6: Mm. So that was uh, the biggest barrier. Uh, Looking back to, you know, when you started, were there any myths or anything that you believed at that time that you've since uh, realized were wrong?
8: Yeah, um, that investing is risky and investing is gambling, because I think that, there are so many ways that you can invest in a safe way. Like you don't have to be like I was investing in cryptocurrency having no idea. Like just that, that is not investing, you know, like that's what people hear about, they hear their friends like, oh, I lost heaps of money in crypto and it kind of freaks people out because they're like, oh my gosh, like I don't want to lose my money, like that's scary. But yeah, what I was doing was not investing and there are ways that you can actually invest in a safe way, like you said, ETFs. Yes, there is the potential for them to go down but if you have a look at the returns from the stock market over the past 100 years, Mm. like some years are negative, some years are positive, but the positive years definitely outweigh the negative years. And I think the most important thing is to just know that, to know that some years are gonna be negative, some years your portfolio might not be looking so great, but the key is to just have conviction in what you've bought, do research in what you've bought, block out the noise of like people talking about 10X returns on like the latest crypto coins and just (laughs) stick to what you know. And um, yeah, I think that when you invest that way, yeah, you will do well because you have conviction in what you've bought and you can hold through those periods where maybe there is a year where there's mm. negative returns. So, mm. yeah.
2: Yeah. Something that our generation I don't think has experienced probably as much as our parents, which is that, you know, extended bear run market. We've had some pretty significant flash crashes with the uh, the GFC and with uh, COVID. Um, but I think, you know, the markets have just grounded out and just keep pumping out massive returns. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, my fear is that too many people think investing is too easy now. <laughs> 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 just put money in the market yeah, and it goes yeah, up. Yeah. Stocks yeah. only go up. But yeah, I think um I couldn't agree more. I think one thing when I was starting as well is that, you know, there was that feeling of uh, you know, you need to have some sort of an education in finance to really understand what's going on and understand the world of macroeconomics and markets and how it all links together, but I think it's been proven time and time again that, A, people who are trained in it and are professional investors more than likely get it wrong themselves. 95% of fund managers can't get it right. And, like, we're testament to the fact that you don't need to know or be trained in finance and and that sort of stuff. So Yeah,
8: so true.
6: We should probably clarify just because – You said 95% of fund managers can't get it right. They can't beat the index over the long term. No, no, they can't get it right. (laughs) (laughs) They still get a lot right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) So you have helped over 15,000 people uh, get money savvy and I'm sure that you've heard a lot of myths about investing or barriers to start investing. So what what in your mind is uh, one of the biggest myths about investing?
5: you know, one of the biggest myths is that it's really hard and you need lots of money. So um, a lot of women I speak to, you know, they're really scared that they're going to lose all their cash. And, you know, we do make that comparison that if you were to put your money in a, you know, ASX 200 ETF and you lost all your money, that means the top 200 companies in Australia went bankrupt and would have probably bigger fish to fry right now. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, you think it is that misconception of like investing is really hard? Like the practical sense of how do you actually buy an ETF is really hard. And what I, you know, what I always say is like, if you can put something on eBay and buy, you know, a dress on eBay, or I don't know, a man thing, like, <laughs> trying not to sound stereotypical here, like um, a PlayStation. Um, you know, if you can buy stuff online, you can buy ETFs and investments online. In fact, if you can log into a Zoom call, you can buy ETFs online because, you know, it is a similar process to buying anything online shopping. You know, you find the thing you want, you put money in your You count, or you you buy it with a debit card, and then you get a confirmation, and then it gets sent to you. So it's been very overcomplicated in the past that it's this really hard thing to do. But it's actually so simple, and you know, once you get set up on a broker, and you can have that automation going, where it just takes money from your account and it's investing while you're sleeping. You know, it couldn't be easier.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think there's ever been a time where it's been easier and cheaper. To start, inv- oh. to start investing. So totally. uh, there's so almost no, no excuse now to not be in the markets in some way. Yeah,
5: and I, and you don't need that much money. Like, I'm always like, you can get started with like 50 bucks and you can get started with 500 bucks and people are like, mm. what? So you don't have to have like $10,000. I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. you don't. You can start small, dip your toes in the water. Yeah.
8: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah. So Alicia, what is the biggest barrier you found to investing?
9: I think that initially it was probably not having... And understanding like it's, it's the same thing that so many people and it's why I Get Started Investing is so brilliant. I think people get really caught up in this like what's a broker, um, how much money do I need to invest, what's brokerage, all of those little details. But I also think that more like sort of amorphous barrier is people thinking that they need to have $10,000 to invest I've definitely learned that you can really just, as long as you're disciplined, as long as you've made the decision that you want to invest, as long as you're putting away... One thing that I found really helpful for my journey is knowing that I can just transfer, you know, when I've got $200 surplus, I can just pop that in my brokerage account with self-wealth, I use personally, and I can just have it sit there until I've got two grand, or if I'm feeling really excited to get that money into the market, like a thousand bucks, you can just work away until you've got enough money there to buy a parcel of shares.
6: And you know, if you think back to those earlier days when you were starting investing, trying to figure it all out, was there anything you believed at the time which you've since realized you were wrong about? It was
9: just a myth? I mean, I think for me, (laughs) investing has shifted, I think, over the last like 10 years. When I first tried to start, you know, try my hand at investing, I felt like it was really difficult to know how to actually do it, I think that that knowledge is a lot more democratized now. It's out in the open. But now that there's a lot more knowledge out there, and I think also from a, an app perspective, like a user interface perspective, investing has become a lot easier. You know, instead of just desktop versions, we've got apps on our phone. I would just say that like the biggest myth would be that, that it was difficult. It's not difficult and you can do it.
2: Well, Alicia, we thank you very much. And uh, let's hear from our next community member. So James, when you first started investing, were there any sort of myths that you you had? And are there any barriers that you also face when you started investing?
10: Yeah, it's a great question. And I didn't actually have any myths um, towards investing growing up. My great granddad was a stock market investor and my mum had picked it up from him. You know, my parents didn't earn a lot of money growing up, but we never went without. We always had plenty of presents at Christmas time and plenty of family holidays. And I had really seen the advantages of just making some sensible decisions from a young age. And despite knowing all that and knowing I should be investing and how important it is, especially to start at such a young age, I did face a lot of barriers. And a lot of those were my own mental barriers, getting stuck in negative behavior patterns and negative thought patterns. And really overcoming those barriers were a big important part to having any sort of um, investing success. How did you overcome them? So it started off by hitting rock bottom and realising that I can't keep doing this on my own and I really will need some help. And I had to find the right help. I had been through several um, therapy programs that were free with Veterans Affairs and they often do a bit more harm than good. They missed the point and they weren't helping me at all. And I was very reluctant to go and pay for a therapist while I had free um, free options available. But I had to find the right person and a friend of mine was always pestering me. She's like, you've got to go and find, you got to go and try this therapist. He works outside of the health system. He's completely different. And after a lot of convincing, I finally went, um, went through with it and booked myself in. And it was definitely the best $10,000 I've ever spent. It completely changed my life. And it's enabled me now to make some better financial decisions and also better life decisions. And as I've been able to make better life decisions, I've been able to save more money and put more into the market. And as I've had more success in my investing in the markets, I've become more hopeful and positive about my future outlook for myself, which has then also rebounded back
2: to Mm. my mental Mm. health. So they've both gone hand in hand for me. Mm. Great to hear. And uh, we appreciate you sharing your story. Let's hear from another community member.
6: So Lee, one thing that we love to hear from people we have on Get Started Investing is some of the things uh, that they believed when they started their investing journey that they've subsequently realized they were wrong about. You know, these investing myths that so many of us believe Uh, when we're, you know, outside the markets looking in. So, if you think back to your early days, just starting out as an investor, uh, was there anything that you believed that you've subsequently realized you were wrong about?
4: Yep, many things, many things. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh,
4: (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, the first thing that jumps to mind is that you, to be a good investor, you have to be a math whiz or a business mastermind. You know, I I had self-limiting beliefs that Oh, you know, couldn't learn investing, and actually anyone can, and you don't have to also get to Warren Buffett status, uh, as the intro says. But <laughs> you can do really, really well just by doing simple things. So you know, start start small and make incremental gains in your knowledge and and your capability, and those things will compound just like your interest will.
2: What, is, what are some of the biggest barriers that you found, you know, when you started investing or perhaps uh, seeing other people face
4: at the moment? I uh, probably have to overwrite any conditioning you've had that investing is gambling because it, it's simply not. So like, If you have any logical process about your investing, uh, you're going to be stacking the odds in your favor. Whereas gambling is the opposite. Like the gambling is having the house with the odds in their favor. It's just the opposite of investing. The other thing is just that the process in itself is difficult. Signing up for a brokerage account in, in any shape or form is really easy. And then to execute an investment is also really, really easy these days. So we're very fortunate to live in this age where it's at your fingertips. Yeah.
6: Yeah. We did an experiment. Is it quicker to buy uh, Amazon stock? or Amazon socks, like socks off Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> and we timed both of them. And I think it was like 30 seconds to buy Amazon stock and 34 seconds to buy socks from Amazon. So it is, <laughs> it is just as easy as online shopping these days. Exactly.
2: <laughs> and yeah, you're right. Setting up accounts. I mean, we both set up uh, Superhero pretty easy as well and well on our way so
6: it's so easy to set up an account I've got four different brokerage accounts now
4: <laughs> <laughs> I have a few I love taking advantage of the uh, new user rewards <laughs> oh, oh yeah no. nice <laughs> nice <laughs> I just can't help it it's free money
6: yeah <laughs> <Rubber>. <laughs> hey you know we talked about diversification I embody diversification in everything now <laughs>
2: <laughs> well Lee uh, again we appreciate you you sharing your your experience uh, with the Get Started Investing community and um, we will now hear from our final one. So Simon, when you started investing, what was one of the biggest barriers that you faced?
0: As a a dad of a young family, so finding money to invest and invest regularly is pretty hard. Even just getting a savings account going is, is really hard. So I think the biggest barrier or myth was that we needed a lot of money to start investing. A few years ago, started up a little raise account and just did the the rounding up every time I bought a coffee or anything like that and eventually I got that that little bucket of money to 500 bucks and thought okay I'd like to start doing my own little you know picking my own shares and bought my first shares from there I I realized you know you jump on the online forums and they say people say how much they're putting putting away into shares quite regularly it was never going to happen for us as with a young family Um, but 500 dollars every few months is is manageable for us um, and it's, it's growing slowly and I know once the kids get a bit older and we've got a bit more free cash that we'll be able to put more in but I think it, it, it's working well for us at the moment so yeah, just having having lots of money is yeah, a bit of a myth. Yeah,
2: I completely agree and it's a real theme that is uh, coming through the community in these episodes. You know, so many people really get put off uh, from starting their investing journey because they think that, as you said, you know, you see all these people online saying that they're putting away 10 grand a month or they have 50,000 to invest. And uh, that's just not the case and not necessarily the reality of it. And we're living in a a time at the moment where it's really easy to start investing in very, very small amounts. As you said, raise is a fantastic way to get started. So uh, I'm glad you've you've brought that to our, our attention. And And particularly with a family as well, you know, we have a lot of people in the community who do have kids and, um, you know, uh, trying to work out how they can still build wealth in the stock market. And I think your message is pretty clear that you can do it. Um, You don't need to be put off by the fact you need thousands and thousands of dollars to get going.
0: Yeah, definitely. So,
2: Ren, before we uh, hear from our next guest, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and then we'll be right back into it.
6: So we're now joined by Justin Baldori. Justin, uh, what was one of the biggest barriers you found when you started investing and how did you overcome it?
11: Biggest barrier, this is an easy one. I always think about this back in the day is that I thought I needed $100,000 to invest and then some on the side and it wasn't for like just random individuals like myself. The biggest barrier there was seeing all that on the TV and everything that investing gets portrayed as you think, man, I can't do that. It is way too hard but when you really break that down, there's so many different ways for investors to access markets through ETFs, obviously stocks, you basically just need a a phone or a computer with an internet connection and you're good to go. And obviously a little bit of research, you can't just jump into it because (laughs) that could end pretty bad. Um, But that barrier of, you know, you have to be super wealthy and it's only for those people in $5,000 suits on Wall Street, it's just completely not what it is. Like I bought stocks the other day, I was sitting in my pajamas on my couch. So it's you know, the complete opposite. Um, so once you can overcome that, once I did, yeah, the, the doors are open. So biggest barrier, you don't need to be super rich, super wealthy and have all this um, mega wealth behind you everybody can get started investing How's that for a little plug for the, the podcast love that
6: love that very old brand <laughs> and I think you know that's that is a massive myth that we hear over and over again in the equity mates and get started investing community that I don't have enough money to start investing so glad we're busting that. Any other myths that you hear from you know people that subscribe to your YouTube or people that you talk about investing with uh, that you want to take the opportunity to bust?
11: You know, a lot of people do think the stock market is a game, but I like to not think of it as a game, but more like a, a journey or, a, you know, community and all that type of stuff because there's actually more to it than trying to bet on the next hot stock and become a millionaire in three days. So myth busted, I'm going to say the stock market isn't a game. We should really take a long-term approach. If we take it as a game, it could go a little bit south for investors. I know personally, I can't speak on behalf of anybody else, but personally, When I take it as a game, it just doesn't end very pretty. So I'm going to bust the myth that the stock market is a game.
2: Nice one. Well, I couldn't agree more. Do your own research. And yeah, love that uh, idea of treating uh, the stock market with a long-term time horizon because we all know that the compounding effect really kicks into gear the longer that you stay in the market. So couldn't agree more, Justin. Thanks for that one. And uh, we will now hear from another community member from Get Started Investing.
6: So we're joined by Dylan. Uh, Dylan, what was the biggest barrier you found when getting started investing?
3: For me, I think the biggest barrier was um, that you need to have a heap of money to start off. Yeah, obviously, there's there's a bit of a belief around like make sure you pay off your house first and all this type of thing, and then and then start to invest. But it's not something that you need to have as a heap of money, especially these days with, with you know the micro investing and all that type of thing. But yeah, there's definitely an ability to get in at a low level. The, the, the rates, like you know, that we talk about all the time around brokerage and things like that, are all coming down. So it's something that's not a whole heap of capital is required, and it's not as difficult as, as what a lot of people think it is. My nephew turned um, 18 a bit while back, and the first thing he did was open a TAV account and put a bet on. And i was <laughs> like, oh man, <laughs> I was like, no, nah, no, nah, don't do that. Open, you know, open a superhero account and you know, jump on and some shares and um, yeah, so he has done that. But yeah, I'm always encouraging sort of younger people to get involved as much as possible in the, in the investing and nice. even contributing more to super and, and things like that.
6: So we're joined by Tash of Tash Invest's fame um, and Tash, we're talking about uh, barriers and myths when people got started investing. So if you think back to your early days, trying to figure out the stock market, the property market, all of that. What were some of the biggest barriers you found to getting started?
12: The information is made to seem really complex when it's really not like investing in index funds and ETFs is actually quite simple, but finding really simple information is really hard. So I think you think you need a lot of money. You probably need a finance degree and only like fancy people in business suits can invest, but that's like not (laughs) even the case at all. Um, It's actually really simple. So just the myth that it's hard, but yeah. And like finding accessible information, definitely.
6: Yeah. Mm. Well, I think uh, you deserve a lot of credit for making a lot of that information accessible. So at Tash Invests if people are feeling (laughs) overwhelmed. On that theme of, you know, it being overwhelming and confusing, were there any myths or were there any beliefs you had about investing that you've since realised you were just completely wrong about?
12: Yeah, you need a lot of money. Like I saw a lot of the minimums initially was like, oh, you need 5, 10K to invest in like the Vanguard funds. Whereas like you can actually put $5 into Spaceship or Raise. You can save up and like invest into an ETF because like Perla has brokerage-free ones, Superheroes brokerage-free ones. There's so many other options and you don't need that much money and you also don't need a finance degree as well.
2: Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a a common one that has been coming through. But I also think... It's a great time now that, um, and we talk about this a lot on the show, that, you know, it's never been easier to actually get started investing yeah. through those apps like Raise and Spaceship and those sorts of things. So gone is the excuse that you don't have enough money to get yeah. started. Mm. And
12: time as well. Like you look at it and it looks really complex and you have like that image of the guy, like the trader sitting there watching all the, like the charts yeah. of the 10 like screens when really it's not like that. You can set it up and never look at it ever again. Mm. and It does really well.
2: Yeah. Love to hear it. Well, thanks, Tash. Great to hear from you as always. And we'll now hear from another community member. So Maddie, when you first started investing back when you were 18, buying those Apple shares, what was one of the biggest barriers that you faced?
7: One of the biggest barriers that I faced was not knowing where to look or how to research um, individual companies and individual stocks. And in that way, the biggest myth that I came across was investing in individual companies is the best way to go about Investing, which is what I learned from my dad, um, and I feel like it's a huge myth um, because there's always a new hot stock or company on the market, especially with the crypto world right now. <laughs> um, and while while they garner a lot of substantial media attention, they're not necessarily worth the consideration into putting into a portfolio. I think one of the biggest things I've learned is to not put all your eggs in the one basket. You might be familiar with the same, but so many successful investors take that message to heart like myself by diversifying my portfolio and spreading out my investments over a variety of stocks. So there's obviously always risks involved, but by choosing only one stock or company to invest in, you could leave yourself open to losing everything if the company goes under. And I've found that in my couple of investments after Apple, I bought into Hypes. And to single stocks that either had just hit the market or were rallying really well. And I've lost, you know, 70 to 80% of my um, investment. So at the end of the day, it's not how much money you have but that you don't let myths like this and misinformation stop you from taking advantage of the benefits of smart investing like in ETF and what they have to offer.
2: So, what was a myth that you had, you know, at that period of time that you've since discovered is not truly reflective of, you know, investing in the stock market?
7: Yeah,
6: investing in individual stocks is the best. That's the myth that I have debunked. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a, a myth that I had to debunk. I, um, I, I've told this story a number of times on the podcast, but the first couple of investments I made were individual stocks. The first one didn't end well, and I wish I knew that ETFs and index funds were a thing back in the day. So hopefully, Maddie, through your Instagram at Money With Maddie and through podcasts like this, we can help people avoid the same mistake or at least bust that myth that we both uh, fell victim to. Yeah,
7: hopefully people don't fall into the same traps
6: like we did. So Maddie,
2: thank you for your time and we'll now hear from our next community member.
6: All right. So we're now joined by Josh. And Josh, we're talking uh, all things investing myths and uh, barriers uh, that the GSI community faced when they were getting started investing. So thinking back to your early days, starting out uh, as an investor, what were some of the biggest barriers you found to getting started?
13: Mm, My biggest barrier is talking about finances with parents. You know, a lot has changed since my parents had to save up for a house deposit And that generational difference and the economy as a whole is so large. So unless you've studied economics, you simply just don't know the real difference between our economies. For example, my dad supposedly and (laughs) very persuasively bought his home for roughly uh, $60,000 in a small country town. And he expects likewise with my wife and I. Earlier this year when we got married, he gave us quite a large sum. He gave us $10,000 to put into a uh, home deposit one day uh, and expected to just put it in a savings account. But I wanted to respect him and do as he wished, but I also knew that just putting into the bank uh, and just letting a mere $40 or so over a 12-month for a long-term deposit mm. uh, wasn't a wise investment. So took a lot of yeah, just sharing and explaining to him that a house in Geelong, which is where I live, at the moment – is five
0: six hundred
13: thousand dollars. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> although he gave me a huge amount of money to start that journey, um, yeah, forty dollars over a twelve month period just won't cut
6: it. It's a funny one that you talk about. I definitely have similar conversations with my parents today. Uh, my, I think my dad, he was saying the first house he bought was seventy two thousand dollars. So very similar story to your folks. Um, and you know now I'm in Sydney and it's. Not seventy two thousand. It's seven figures. If if you want to mm. buy a house in Sydney. But the other thing, uh, in terms of generational difference, my my mum often speaks about how money was a real taboo subject in uh, in her house. And the irony of me now speaking about money and investing publicly on a podcast isn't lost on the family. I don't think
13: it's absurd how how much uh, the generational difference does occur. Like my, you know, my family's farmers, so every single cent goes back straight into the business. So the idea of putting stuff aside and handing it to another business.
6: So that, that's barriers. If if you think back to your mindset, uh, you know, back when you were getting started, um, was there anything that you believed about the stock market or investing generally that you've since realized uh, was a bit of a myth?
13: Yeah, definitely the idea of shares and investing into the share market as being risky. I think that there is a world where it is very volatile and you can lose a lot of money. But with the rise of uh, like ETFs, I think that helps minimise the risk and helps increase uh, success in the, in the investing space.
6: Nice one, Josh. Well, I think that's uh, some great uh, insight there. Uh, It's not as risky as you think if you're uh, focused on the long term. That's always a good note to Mm -hmm. end it on. Uh, So we'll uh, we'll leave it there and um, we'll hear from you in our next episode where we speak uh, all things investing resources.
2: So we've got Rachel here. Uh, Rachel, what, what is one of the biggest barriers that you faced when you started investing or perhaps a myth that you thought about investing that is no longer true?
14: I'll go with a myth. I probably have two of them. Sure. The first myth that I heard is that you need thousands to invest. You absolutely don't. You obviously need money but you don't need thousands. Um, as my advisor says, every day is a good day to invest. So you can even start with you know $50 to invest and use one of those micro-investing platforms like acorns or steak Um, and the second myth that I've heard is that it's really risky. Of course it's risky if you don't do your research or if you don't ask for help but if you actually put in the time and read um, on the internet, on different types of platforms, if you ask people who are more experienced, it's not risky at all and also, you know, if you invest in managed funds, like ETFs, and it's a lot harder to fail.
2: Every day is a good day to invest. I love that. I think that's uh, something I haven't heard before, but I think that's a great quote. So props to you and your financial advisor.
14: (laughs) It's a good one. He also says to me, which is, he also says to me sometimes when stocks are, you know, dropping, he calls me up and says, Rachel, this stock's on sale. What do you think? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's it. That's the that's the Buffett move as well. Buy when others are fearful. So, um, yeah, love that. Well, there you go. Ren. plenty of barriers and myths. Uh, some very common threads, though, that I'm sure, well, that we've all faced when we started our investing journey. So, I think the takeaway is uh, you're not on your own when you're when you're feeling uh, stuck or that uh, things aren't panning out the way that you you thought they would. Um, we're all in it together. So stay with us. We've got our final episode coming up and uh, it's a great one. We're discussing the best resources that you can use uh, on your investing journey. So um, a, a massive thanks to Superhero who have, who have supported this series, uh, Superhero allow you to buy Aussie and US shares and ETFs with no monthly account fees. And you can now earn Qantas points as well with Superhero. So visit superhero.com.au slash Qantas to learn more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions and fees and charges apply. But for the final one of the series, uh, we're back next week and we'll see you then.
5: Get Started Investing is a product of Equity Bates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.
2: Planning for your next trip?